This is episode number 203 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. Welcome to Well-Fed Women. I'm your co-host, Noelle Tarr, a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I'm joined by my bestie, Stephanie Ruper, author of the best-selling book, Sexy by Nature. On the show, we provide moderately abusing banter, authentic, unfiltered conversations relating to nutrition, fitness, mindset, and body image, and offer empowering advice for women from women. While you're listening, please keep in mind that the information on this podcast is intended to provide helpful and informative material and should not be used to diagnose or treat disease. We are so excited to have you here. So now let's have some fun. Yo. (laughs) I went to say something and I was like, let's just see what happens. Yo. Uh. (laughs) They do this thing when it's somebody's birthday at salsa where the birthday person dances in the middle and everybody else walks around them in a circle to take a turn dancing with the person in the middle. And that moment I just had where I said, yo, and I entered the conversation felt like those moments. And I get so anxious in the birthday circle because it's like, when do I go? When do I go? When do I go? Is that, should I go? Should I go? Should I go? That's like, (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll go. Yo, I've (laughs) seen those. I've seen those circles on the Facebook. Yeah. 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 The very few moments that I'm on Facebook nowadays. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, you know what Facebook is now? It's really the place where like the 40 plus somethings like to share all their photos and tag themselves. And <laughs> sorry, folks, I'm not this isn't a dig. This is not a dig. I'm just saying it's a lot of us who were early adopters are like, I don't want to share every moment of my life. And to Stephanie's credit, she's always been that way. But yeah, a lot of us in college, like, like I got on Facebook, what, 13, 15 years ago? I don't know. It was a while ago. And, like, in the beginning, I cringe when I look, like, it, like, this, the Facebook memories things will, like, show me the things that I posted. Like, you said this 10 years ago. And I'm like, what a dork. Like, I was <laughs> the worst. And I start talking about, like, my run. And then I, like, talk about what, what I was eating. And, you know, like, I don't know. I uh, You would take a bunch of photos with your camera. And then you'd, like, get them put on a CD. And then you'd upload all of your photos to a Facebook album. Like, that's what you did with every event, with every party, with every spring break trip. And it was, like, all the photos, you know, of course, you just put them on Facebook. And so I think all of those people who overshared on Facebook, like the millennials, um, or maybe the the younger, slightly younger millennials, like, we're just over it. We're done. Like, I don't need, no, no thanks. I don't don't need to be on Facebook. Much less a lot of Facebook stuff is just toxic. It's just people wanting to, like, share some article that some, like, non-credible person wrote about their opinion to reinforce their own opinion. And so then it, like, starts a whole Facebook comment argument. And I'm like, no, no, unfollow. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't need all this crap in my, like, daily life. I just don't. So anyway, it's not a dig. I'm just saying, like, there are early adopters, and then there's a peak, and then there's, like, kind of late adopters. And that's, I feel like Facebook is much more, <laughs> like, an older place now. And a lot There's of, like thrill, 3 billion people on Facebook. I don't think it's going yeah. anywhere. No, it's definitely not going anywhere, but the younger generation is not on Facebook. They're snapping. Which is interesting. Yeah, actually Instagram is really 
like where everybody is kind of now, I think is, yeah. And it's, it's really odd to me, the things that like the cult, I sound so old, the things that the college students are doing, the college kids are doing now. Like I would have not have known about any of it unless I, we were, we were stationed at a college and like all of these new apps they were talking about, like the university management would have to like monitor the stuff because it was a military university. And so they would kind of monitor it. And, and my husband would talk about it. And I was like, what's that? Like, what? What's the point of it? And how do they talk to each other? Like, it just, it the, it's the craziest things. It's the craziest things now that the kids are doing. So it's hard. It's hard to keep up with it all. I know. And when it's your job to keep up with it all, I'm like, oh, well, y'all know how I feel about social media. So yeah, we do. You love you do. it. You love it so much. I even I'm just struggling now because I just don't I just don't love sitting and looking at my phone all the time. It's it's not like where I want to exist. I want to be present. And so I just I I know I annoy people when I'm because I'm like the person who reads a text message and thinks that I responded I do this, unfortunately, to to my operations girl, Laura, too. She'll, like, she'll message me on um, Skype, and then I respond to it in my head. And then I actually don't respond to it. Yeah, I'm the worst. I do that with text messages where I, like, read them, and I'm like, oh, da 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 And then I actually didn't respond. <laughs> well, okay. Happy I'm, New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Steph. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? I, since it's six weeks away, I haven't thought about it yet. (laughs) Um, Do I have any New Year's resolutions? I don't think so. I need, okay, I will say this. I need to be really relentless about not giving up. And I need to, I need to be really committed and really on top of myself and making sure that I'm using my time wisely. And I tend to try, I tend to do the things that I just said, but I I need to be really intentional about it. And so I, I don't have a resolution so much for 2019 as a focus, you know, I'm going to get some stuff done. So yeah, I don't know. I've done some character building over the last couple of years. And I was like, all right, like now I'm going to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What about you? Yeah, I really, no, I don't do the resolution thing, which is so funny because I feel like we talk about this every year. And I used to think that it, the you like had to make a resolution, you know, and of course it was always around like fitness accomplishments and all the things. And um, I look back, we used to make these little notes. My husband and I used to make these notes where we'd make little things that we would, you know, little, I don't know, sentences, just one sentence about what we wanted to accomplish. And initially it was like, I'd like to complete a triathlon in this time and do this and do that. And then it eventually turned into, I just want to remain injury free. Like I just, all the decisions that I make are going to be around remaining healthy physically. Um, And then we just stopped doing it (laughs) because I was just like, you know, like I, I I feel like we have values as a family and we always kind of live those moving forward. I'm not a person who who likes to make like resolutions or goals. Like I kind of feel like I go to my own flow, but I don't need something like that to hold me accountable. Does that make sense? I hope that doesn't sound really like snooty, but like 
I just don't need something to hold me accountable. Like I'm always going to pursue doing the best I can and being as productive as possible and doing exactly what's right for me without the resolution there. Uh, Yeah, it does sound snooty, but we love you anyway. Thanks. I don't know. It's just a place I've come to after the years where I used to think that I would have to like micromanage myself. And now I'm like, I don't have to micromanage myself. Like I can just do my thing and and shift and change based on how the year's going. Yeah, I definitely like I'm always trying, right? I'm always focusing and trying to be better. But I also understand why like sometimes choosing a thing or whatever and giving yourself a framework. Yes. Or like you said, I like the the micromanaging is a nice way to put it too. You know, sometimes that's necessary. Right, right. And I think that my life has sort of been in a blender the last few years too, where it's just been a lot. And and it's very hard for me to make tangible or any sort of realistic resolutions or goals when I feel like I'm sort of just taking it as it comes. Um, and, you know, being a new mom and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just feel like I'm sort of like, Let's stay alive through this year. Check. Like, that's kind of like, as long as I can do that. And really, you know, I guess I could make some grandiose goals about making sure that I am always paying attention to my mental health and making decisions for that and taking the steps to make sure that I don't like let my anxiety get out of control or whatever. That would be a a great goal for myself. Um, And I should be more intentional about that for sure. But. I just, I feel like I've been sort of um, just trying to survive, which is fine. Um, but that's that's been the last few years for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, I guess I should just go ahead and announce it since this is really deep. We're, we're kind of deep into this now, but I am pregnant again. <laughs> so, which yeah. did. <laughs> oh, Steph. Oh, have you not, have you Steph not, have is you not excited. I haven't officially on the podcast. Oh, I'm sure by yay! I thought everybody knew. I'm yay! sure by this time you'll probably have seen that on Instagram. Maybe. Maybe. Sorry, Steph already knew everybody. Steph already knew because Noel had an <laughs> had an oh moment. Um yeah, it's exciting. We're really excited. But, you know, the last two years has been having a baby, moving to a new city, buying a house, moving again, finding out we were unexpectedly pregnant again. And so I'm just like, whoa, like trying to, you know trying to manage we're really excited though (laughs) it's gonna be great it's gonna be great because i'm not writing a book and publishing a book and all that you know the same year so um we'll see but i also am managing a toddler who is crazy which she's amazing and great and like super fun like she's in this i mean it just gets more and more fun it really does but this has been a new challenge because she's 17 months by the time this comes out she'll be 18 months and she's getting into that stage where she has very challenging and developmentally normal behaviors like smacking and hitting. And she hits the dogs and she'll take her drink and scream and throw it on the ground. And she's not a very compliant child. Um, go figure. She's strong-willed and has a lot of tenacity and is not one. And she's a runner and like loves to run away and explore and be crazy. And I love it. And I love to flourish that. But it also comes, it's also exhausting now um, because it's all new for me. You know, I'm, I'm like learning how to shepherd a child, <laughs> shepherd a toddler, which is a very challenging task. And also being pregnant at the same time has been I've been very tired. So the fatigue factor is like, it's it's a big one for me. So I've, I've really been trying to make sure that 
as much as I want to, especially with work and like beauty counter stuff and building that business and mentoring people and like working, I'm hiring new people and I'm, I'm trying to work on really creating a better, like a more like well-researched and really thoughtful blog posts on a lot of really complex topics. And so that's, I want to move forward with that. And so as much as I want to like stay up late and work, like I have to be intentional about, you know, trying to get in bed by 1030 and not using that late night time to be productive and it's, um, yeah. So yay, number two, pregnancy. <laughs> yay, yay, pregnancy. Um, it was unexpected, but it is welcome, and we're really, really excited. And I, I, I just wasn't really planning on, like, having two under two and having a lot of the diapers, but um, it'll be great. Everybody's been very encouraging and been like, oh, it's it's going to be fine. Like, you're, you're going to love it. You're, you'll love that your kids are that close, yada, yada, yada. So yeah, and you've done it all already. I've so already done this it. One's in the bag. <laughs> this this child has to be super easy. So I just know it's going to happen. This child's going to be. I'm just praying that into existence. This child's going to be so easy. Sleep through the night by like you know. Let's say let's let's just say like seven weeks. That'll be great. No colic. No breastfeeding issues. <laughs> um, no screaming for seven hours straight. So yeah, that's how it's gonna go. Uh, no, I we're luckily my husband does get paternal leave, and that's gonna be very helpful. Um, and I am ex- gonna explore some postpartum doula stuff. Um, I found a wonderful midwifery group here. I'm really excited about that. Although, you know, it's a new experience thinking about giving birth and then like having a toddler because we don't have any family here and family's gonna have to drive up. And so it's like, what do we do with our kid? So, um, you know, we are making friends, which is 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 wonderful. And hopefully we can lean on them in these times. But it's also a little nerve wracking because Stella's been my whole world. And so it's interesting for me to experiment with the feelings of bringing somebody else into our situation and being very aware of that and kind of dropping her off and like going to give birth to somebody else. I don't know. It just to me, it's like, I you know, she's my whole world. So there's all that those feels. But I'm pretty deep into the pregnancy now. Um, it's like we're, we're halfway. Um, wow. Yeah, it's it's good, though. Um, and I, I appreciate I, I just appreciate my privacy sometimes around, you know, the things that we can keep private. <laughs> and I think when you live kind of in the not to say that I live in the public eye, that's not but I, I do share a lot about my life on the podcast. Right. And so sometimes it's nice just to, like, have your thing and like process for a little bit. So. Um, we're very excited. It actually took a very long time to share with pretty much everybody. Cause we were just yes. like, honestly, we just this girl included. Yeah. I just didn't, I just didn't have the, no, like, I don't, well, you don't want have this to, I don't, right. But I don't, I don't feel like, oh, I'm just so busy, but I honestly, it really wasn't something like the second time around. It's just not as impactful. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, well, I got to move on. Cause we're like buying a house and getting out of the reserves and we're like, I got a business to run and a kid to take care of. So it wasn't like, I didn't quite process it until it was like 12 weeks. I'm like, oh, okay, this is happening. Just cause there's a lot else going on. Mm-hmm. But at some point you're like, yeah, I got to get my maternity clothes out. Like this is probably happening. I gotta, I gotta recognize this. So 
I just actually did tell my extended family and everybody because I just I just hadn't gotten around to it. I was thinking, oh, well, FaceTime and I'll have this shirt on her. And it, then it was like, well, I have to get this big sister shirt. And then I was like, well, I don't have to, I don't know. I'll, I'll look at that later. And then it just like the weeks go by and you're like, hey, guys, we're pregnant. <laughs> A little text message. So anyway, that'll be fun. <laughs> lots, to, lots to discuss, I'm sure, in the beginning. Um, anything let me let me jump back on track here because I wasn't I just didn't quite plan on I didn't know when I was going to say that that's just how I live but I am going on a beauty counter trip like event trip thing yeah so I'm going with some people and that's happening next weekend <laughs> so I figured like probably going to be in a lot of pictures with that that like other bloggers and stuff are going to be sharing and I'm going to be pretty pregnant so it's going to be like I'm sorry what. Wow, that's so fun. When is the, the trips in mid-December? No, um, uh, the second week of January. Cool. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, it's just a trip down to Palm Beach. It's really exciting. I'm, I'm excited to do it. It's actually the first time I'm leaving Stella alone, which is also nerve-wracking, but also going to be great and wonderful and much needed before we have a second. Um, Stella is completely weaned from breastfeeding. It was, like, not a thing to her. She did not care at all. Um, but actually one of the things that's really interesting is when you are pregnant, your milk dries up. And so it was, we'd already, she'd already just kind of knocked it down to like a morning and a night feed. And then when I first got pregnant, it was like six more weeks. Then we just ended up doing a night feed. And then it was like, this is stupid. Let's just see if we can give her some water or something. And she's okay. And she was totally fine. So it'll, it gives me a little bit of a break. Um, and she, it was like, she didn't care. And this allows me to kind of go on the trip without, pumping or anything like that so um four days with her dad dad with her dad dad and I get to actually like just be away from my kid for more than three hours which I haven't been since she was born so it'll be really really restorative I think um and just not necessary before we get into this like two kid madness so I'm really excited about it It was like a you know an incentive trip you are you earn um, there was like a whole challenge and things and all the things. So I was pretty motivated. Let's just say I was pretty motivated to earn that trip. <laughs> <laughs> After I found out I was pregnant, I was like, I'm going to need this trip. So can you take off for four days so that you can watch her so I can go? And he was like, yes, if you get it, I will, I will That's awesome. ask for a vacation. Yeah. So, so I, I figure a lot of people will be, um, because a lot of other blogger friends that probably a lot of people follow will be taking photos, which is fine. Like, I'm I'm totally happy. But I, at the same time, I'm pro- I need – this is my people. I need to announce to the world. So there you go. It's been announced. So um, how deep are we? Okay. I want to quickly uh, – one quick announcement before we <laughs> jump into questions. Um, a reminder about Fabletics. Last week I talked about the two – leggings that I absolutely love, the high-waisted printed power hold legging and the seamless high-waisted jacquard legging. I wear them both all the time. And yes, even when I'm pregnant, um, I actually ordered them in a size up and they are high-waisted. And so it almost is like a compressive, like fitted support garment. And I love it. Um, And so I did order a size up, but I actually fit into all my normal size tops and they were just a slightly bigger. I got all my stuff when I was like, just had found out I was pregnant, and so it was, like, slightly bigger. But now I'm growing into it, and I love it. Um, so everything is very true to size. The leggings are awesome. The hoodie, the tops are awesome. Everything I've gotten, I've totally loved. I've been on 
walks in them, um, sweat plenty, and it's all super comfortable, moisture wicking, comfortable on the skin. It's not going to get on your nerves. Get a high-waisted legging, folks. You're not going to be feeling like you're getting all pinched in your hip. You're going to feel nice and supported in your core. And I just, I like, no, I don't. you just don't have time to feel... <laughs> all pinchy and like your leggings are falling down, which I've had a problem with in my lifetime. So uh, fabletics.com slash wellfedwomen. Our special offer is two leggings for $24. Um, it's a $99 value when you sign up to be a VIP. And when you sign up to be a VIP, you get 50% off regular pricing and instant access to their latest collection. Um, all their stuff is super affordable. That's why they were created was to create affordable athletic wear. Um, to the market. And because as most of you know, leggings can be upwards of $100 to $150. And it's just real hard when you've got other things going on in your life um, and finances and things like budgets to get workout gear that fits your body, that is comfortable and allows you to pursue your fitness endeavors without worrying about your clothing. So um very thankful to them for what they're doing and what they're doing for the community. And I'm thankful that they are they are supporting us. So fabletics.com slash women. Question number one is from Jessica. Hi, wonderful ladies. I have a question that's been nagging me for months now about something you've brought up on the podcast a few times. When you've mentioned calorie counters that estimate a woman's estimate a woman's calorie need. You suggest that while women are frequently shocked by how high this number seems, they should in fact be eating much more or more to satisfy their body's needs. But what about those of us five foot two inch shorty over here with calorie estimates that seem too low because I am short and fairly sedentary? It estimates me between 1,300 and 1,500 calories per day. If I eat that, I feel like I am starving. I'd say I eat about 18 to 1,900 calories, but I'm experiencing some insidious weight gain However, I come from a background of restriction and over-exercising, so it's hard for me to track food or do more than walk slash gentle yoga. However, according to these tractors, trackers, I need to cut down on the amount of food I'm eating. Do you have any tips for reducing calories without eating my arm or my husband? <laughs> I admit I kind of wish you'd tell me the trackers are wrong and I should eat more, but I'm afraid. They're wrong. Eat more. <laughs> but I'm afraid that's not the case. I'd really appreciate any tips you ladies have for managing calorie intakes for shorter, smaller bodies who exercise less. Okay, so here's the thing about calorie whatevers. They're just, I just, I can't. They're never, they're never accurate. Ever, ever. And so, because you are five foot two, I am five foot two. But that doesn't mean anything about how quickly your metabolism goes for one thing, right? I know plenty of people who are really tiny and eat 4,000 calories a day, right? Like your height does not determine how many calories you burn a day. And there might be an average that people have put into an app, but humans, we don't sit at the average. We are clustered around an average. And so it is very likely that your metabolic rate is much higher than 1,300 to 1,500 calories a day. And I think if you feel like you're starving, that's a really good indicator that eating more is not a bad idea. Now, of course, your appetite can be dysregulated for any number of reasons, and they can wax and wane based on your mood, you know, if you're stressed out or you're working a lot or anything, right? You can develop a higher appetite than you might have at other 
periods of time, but it is also okay to eat and, and probably good. You're probably hungry for a reason, you know, and so you can take care of yourself in as many ways as you possibly can by making sure you eat a nourishing diet and you're sleeping and you're reducing stress and you have an abundant, friendly and happy social life or as much as you can, you know, do all of these things, have a nice, healthy uh, sex life so long as you don't eat your husband and 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 then your appetite is where your appetite is and I think you should eat until you don't feel starving anymore because if you continue to under eat you know we discussed this in the last episode of the podcast under eating will slow down your metabolic rate you know and so there's not really much of a point to under eating you know, maybe a little bit. It is admittedly true that you do need some sort of a calorie deficit in order to lose weight, but not, you shouldn't have to try to be hungry for that to happen. Actually, just eating uh, what feels good in your body should take care of the rest. And so I don't think I can, in good conscience, provide you with tips for reducing calories and not being hungry. Like I honestly think taking care of yourself and making sure that your diet is nourishing and that you're getting enough rest is the answer to, I don't want to say eating less. What I want to say is supporting your body healthfully so that it is able to give you a metabolic rate that matches your body size, if that makes sense, you know, support your body, make sure it's healthy. And then your appetite, you know, your body's appetite regulating mechanisms are a part of your metabolism and all that your body's appetite and your metabolic rate should, should line up. Um, so, and I also, you know, you mentioned having a background in restriction and over-exercising and that's very real. You know, the body can remember that and you psychologically, even if you have done a lot of work to get past it, it there are still echoes of it flying around your brain. It's in all of us, you know, and it, and it always will be. And so um, I think tracking f- the food at this point will only do more harm than good. You know, why, why are we trying to, you know, why are you trying to lose weight anyway? I just can't stand that term, the insidious weight gain term, weight gain. I didn't address it because I knew I wanted you to, like, be all fiery. So well, you go. Uh, well, whatever. I just, I just, it, it assumes, it assumes that at some point that you're going to be, well, okay, so let's be honest. The original idea was it, it all depends on the number of carbohydrates, right? Wasn't it like if you eat above this carbohydrate intake per day, you're just randomly going to gain all of this weight. It was like, there's no scientific like evidence around it at all. It was just at a some, graph with a figure next to it. A graph with a figure, which is eat this, this number. And then look, your weight's going to just shoot up out of nowhere for no reason at all. Other than the fact that you're going to be gaining, you know, the, or because you're going to be eating this certain amount of carbohydrate. And of course, there was more to it than that. But that was like what everybody boiled it down to. And so this idea that you're just insidiously gaining weight out of nowhere for no reason is false. Okay. And, and by the way, insidious means evil, right? Like weight gain doesn't have true. to be evil. Yeah, right. Yes, exactly. Like all weight gain is bad. This this terrible, bad, evil weight gain that just happens out of nowhere, that's out of our control, that is just, you know, happening to us and we can't stop it. Like that is a false 
idea that doesn't actually exist. There are very real reasons why our body gains weight. And sometimes it's because we aren't eating enough. Um, and sometimes it's because we are under chronic stress and it has nothing to do with the amount of whatever macronutrients we are eating or whatever our caloric take it, intake is. So I would actually shift your focus. We have this obsession in our society with numbers as specifically with calories. What are, what are the number of, what, how, you know, how many exact calories should I be eating per day? And to think that our bodies can be boiled down to a daily caloric intake is asinine. It is like your body is so much more complex, complex than a caloric, a daily caloric intake number, right? Like that doesn't, there's like, you burn all different caloric intakes throughout your life. Throughout the day, throughout, you know, like some days you're more active, other days you're less active. Sometimes you are doing a lot more metabolic training. Sometimes you're doing more endurance work. Sometimes you're really stressed out and that's going to affect your metabolic health. And sometimes you're like super chill and you're sleeping a lot and sometimes you're not sleeping. So, I mean, all of those things affect your body in general and its physiology. And it's not, it can't all be it boiled down to what's your caloric intake. There's a lot more involved there. So no, if you're starving and ready to eat, eat your arm off, like then you're eating too little, right? Like, then, then you know that you need to eat between 800 and 1900 calories a day. Like go with the flow, go with what you feel in this scenario. I, feel, I believe this is, that's the best advice and trust your body. Stop trusting these online calorie counters, which are like completely built off of a false assumption anyway. Like stop looking at this this like calculator to compute what you should be doing with your body. There is just it's to me it's crazy that that we make we give so much power, you know, to these like calorie counters. Anyway, I would shift your thinking away from the amount and more to the quality like like Steph alluded to, which is how can we focus on nutrient density and really high quality foods and foods that are much more nourishing, grass-fed beef, high in omega-3s, high in B vitamins, lots of vegetables and fruits, good quality carbohydrate. Like how can we really support your body um, and shift your focus to that as opposed to what's the amount and what's what what are the amount of the carbs I'm eating and how can I how can I shift that around and really focus on how can I make my body really healthy as opposed to like how can I manipulate my body so that it's so that I'm matching this this calorie counter so I think you're going to get way more benefit from that overall, both mentally and emotionally and physically, than trying to just adapt your life to a calorie counter, which knows nothing about you or your physiology or what you're going through or your sleep or your stress levels or, you know, your, your uh, body composition. This podcast is supported by the Nutritional Therapy Association. The NTA trains and certifies nutritional therapy practitioners and consultants, including me, I'm an NTP, the NTA's Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program, and fully online nutritional therapy consultant program empower graduates with the education and skills they need to launch successful, fulfilling careers in holistic nutrition. Four years ago, I went through the NTA's program and feel it was one of the best career decisions I've ever made. 
The program teaches foundational principles in nutrition and focuses on a holistic approach to restoring balance and enhancing the body's ability to heal. Registration is now open for the February class, and you can learn more by going to nutritionaltherapy.com. When you sign up, be sure to put well-fed women in the referral field, and you'll get a signed copy of our book, Coconuts and Kettlebells Sent to You. And don't forget to check out NTA's annual conference, Roots, happening March 1st to 3rd in Portland, Oregon. It's one of the most empowering and educational, holistic nutrition events of the year, and all are welcome. Again, head over to nutritionaltherapy.com to save your seat for the February class. Okie dokie, question number two is from Kaori. Dear Noel, Stephanie, hope you both are well. I've been following you on social media and listening to your podcast for quite a few years now, and I really enjoy it. I love how transparent you both are and how you try to really distinguish yourself from what is out there. Keep up the good work. I'm 35 years old, 5'9". Uh, after putting on some weight due to pregnancy, oh, she gives us her weight. After putting on some weight due to pregnancy, I am about five plus months pregnant, and I'm so happy to finally experience motherhood, but I am not enjoying my pregnancy at all. I am not dealing well with my body changing and gaining weight. My butt is large before, my butt was large before, and is getting out of control, and of course, my growing belly. If it was just this, I am not having a comfortable pregnancy at all. I have pretty severe morning sickness, but that is normal. Now they are gone. Now it's gone, but I'm suffering from pelvic girdle and back pain. When will this discomfort, discomfort stop? I guess after the delivery, how do I deal with this and not be miserable? How do I find ways to enjoy the process? I was wondering whether you could recommend some books or podcasts or a therapy or anything else. I'm just so desperate. I'm so happy to finally start a family and I would like to be a bit more positive about the whole journey. Unfortunately, I don't enjoy it and I feel guilty that I am going to be a bad mom for not being super glowing and enthusiastic about it. People in the UK are quite judgmental about the whole mother attitude. I am French, by the way. Have you gone through this and how do you fix it? Why don't you go ahead? <laughs> okay, so I feel, so we we have been getting a lot of questions about, I don't love pregnancy or pregnancy is triggering all these these past issues. What do I do? And how do I stop this from coming up? And I feel like a lot of women who get in these scenarios, so so pregnancy is just sort of the thing here that we're talking about, um, and it is a very unique situation, but there are things in life that could trigger, right, trigger our past body image issues or uh, past issues with control or lack of control or all of a sudden we have these reoccurring anxieties or feelings that are bubbling up and we don't know how to do with them. And in the case of um, being pregnant, it's a hard physiological state to exist in because you are more prone to be anxious. We are, as a pregnant female, you are more, you're, you have this heightened awareness for um, everything, <laughs> but in particular dangers. And that's very biological and normal because you are meant to be a lot more protective because a lot more things can be harmful to you and to now this other life. And procreation is very important. And so it's our, our anxiety heightens, our, our hormones are all over the place. And it's just a, it's a hard state to exist in if you have not dealt with previous 
issues that were kind of deep-seated and rooted before, and maybe you just kind of covered them up and were like, okay, I can manage. Um, and so I feel like pregnancy, what happens in pregnancy is it triggers a lot of stuff that maybe we haven't dealt with before completely. And that could be around control, you know, lack of control. That could be around feeling like just expectations for your body and like feeling like your worth is wrapped up in your ability to maintain a specific weight or to have a small waist or to have a small butt or to have a quote unquote belly only pregnancy, which is a very real thing and it's disgusting. But these are the expectations. This is what's all over Pinterest. This is what's all over social media. This is the expectation. And it. I'm sorry, it gets worse. You know, it get the expectations that are put on women when they are pregnant and then thereafter, when after they have a baby to quote unquote, get their body back and get back into it. It just, it all, it's, it's still all there. And I think that one of the things that I would recommend if you, if you're still feeling like all this stuff is now coming up and it's getting worse is you've got to be able to process through it and deal with it and get to more of the root of the issue because there's something more underlying here, whether it's beliefs about yourself or something you struggled with growing up because, you know, of how your mom or somebody in your life talk to you or how they dealt with their weight, um, or maybe you just feel guilt or shame because of the way somebody treated you. There could be a lot of things there. And so this is where I would recommend really digging deep and trying to either work with like a body image coach, because this is a really trying time, right? And I don't I don't want to say, oh, just go read a book. Go go figure this out by reading a book. Yes, I think you can get a lot out of books and podcasts, and I'll recommend a few. But I do think at this point, teaming up with a body image coach would be super helpful. We've we've interviewed some on our podcast. Um, and or going into therapy. Like, you will get no, like, there is nothing wrong with going to therapy now. And you'll be establishing that care because you'll likely, like, being a mom is a huge transition. There's a lot of anxiety there. there you're going to be dealing with a lot of emotions around, should I be trying to force myself to get my body back? And you're going to have a new body and a new experience, and there's going to be a lot going on. And so it may trigger a lot for you. So if you get into therapy and team up with a good therapist now, you'll have that person for you throughout all of these challenging phases. And it's okay. It's also okay not to enjoy it. It's also okay to be like, wow, this really sucks. I'm in a lot of pain, you know? And that's okay. Like, you don't have to be in love with being pregnant. While I love certain aspects of being pregnant, there's a lot of it that I don't love. Like, I don't love the fatigue. I don't love the fact that I can't lay on my back when I sleep. I don't love the fact that my back is bothering me. Like, there's a lot of things that I don't love about it. And that's okay. And you can own that and be like, okay, When's the finish line? Like, where does this all end? And I think a lot of us get to that point. Um, maybe, you know, you'll have more grace for yourself as you, like, get through this first pregnancy. And you'll find that more people, as you talk to more people, like, it really does. It sucks. The last four weeks, or you know, it's just really tough. Um, it's hard on your body. It's tiring. There's a lot of things that happen. And it's okay not to love it. Like, it's cool. Like, be okay with that and own that. I would recommend also a good physical therapist because you shouldn't have to be in pain constantly. And I don't know what you have access to in the UK, but I do know that there are physical therapists over there that specifically are focused on pelvic pain. If you feel pain in a certain area ever in life, but you know, even in pregnancy, that does not mean you don't have to live with that for the rest of your life. There are things that you can do, whether it's acupuncture or 
you know, chiropractic care or physical therapy. Like there are things that you can do that are non-invasive, right? Not surgical that can really help you flourish and feel better. You don't have to live with that pain. And so I'd really pursue that and try to find someone that you can team up with now because it'll it's likely that after you have the baby, you'll need some pelvic floor work after the fact too. This is just one of those scenarios and you have to be aware of it where it's, you know, life situations in life trigger our deep-rooted issues, you know? And just because you have put a Band-Aid on something or think you might have processed through it by like reading a book or whatever, that doesn't mean that there's been total healing. And so going to therapy and really working on that, there's no harm in that. And that can only do too good. Um, the, The podcast that I recommend is, I think it's called To Birth and Beyond. Now I'm questioning it. Um, but I did have both Jesse Mundell. Yes, it's called To Birth and Beyond. I did have uh, both Jesse Mundell and her co-host on. I just started playing it. Sorry. Um, just so that I could look at it. Um, but I did have her and her co-host on. I've interviewed both of them. So they actually have uh, a podcast where they record together. And they are very, very body positive around pregnancy and they talk a lot about mindset and busting a lot of myths and they're both very well-educated women so go listen to uh to birth and beyond also you can follow um jesse mundell and i can't remember her um handle let me look it up i will link to it in the show notes um it is her business practice Um, But I'll link to both of them in the show notes because following them on Instagram is going to be really, really awesome, too. I mean, just surround yourself with with people who are speaking positively and realistically about health in general and about pregnancy in general. And that's going to really help you, too. And and surround yourself with pelvic floor physical therapists and follow them on and and just, you know, which are typically very positive people who are going to teach you and show you exercises about how to work through pain and stuff like that and make you feel a little bit more empowered around that. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market, an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. Thrive Market is like Whole Foods, Amazon Prime, and Costco combined. You can shop for thousands of health foods and natural products, including non-GMO foods, snacks, vitamins, supplements, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, baby and kids items, and so much more at 10 to 50% below retail prices. They can offer these prices because they cut out the middleman and ship products directly to you. They also have their own Thrive Market brand, which offers everything from organic virgin coconut oil to grass-fed collagen peptides, all the way to eco-friendly, chlorine-free disposable diapers, which my daughter wears, by the way, at incredibly affordable prices. To get 25% off your first purchase, head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. That's 25% off on top of the discounts you already get on Thrive Market. Head over to thrivemarket.com slash wellfedwomen. Okay, last question is from Brianna. Hi, ladies. I was wondering how you would explain heavy metal toxicity to a friend. I can never fully explain it. I'm just now exploring this and not really sure how to answer these questions or where to start to even look for studies. I love listening to your show and you both always can break down things in such a simple way. Thank you, Brianna. I know some about heavy metal toxicity, but I know people who know more. And so I'm just going to lead with a recommendation. I think Chris Masterjohn, 
who we've actually had on this podcast before, uh, is one of the better thinkers out there in terms of understanding um, your body and how it processes heavy metals uh, and specifically, you know, with, with the liver and how all of that affects you. And so I think I'm not a hundred percent sure what his handles are, but I think it's Chris Masterjohn PhD uh, on Instagram and Facebook and his website. Um, again, I'm not a hundred percent sure it used to not be his name. Um, but if you Google him, you'll definitely find him or we'll link in the show notes. One of the things that, um, Chris has recently said, and I engaged his, uh, work on it was that one of the first things to do if you suspect, I mean, A, if you suspect you might have heavy metal toxicity, you're going to want to get tested. Definitely. Because mercury, you know, like that's, that's a thing, right? And, and there can be really devastating health consequences. Uh, Of course, if you think like there, there's a reason if you have heavy metal toxicity, there's a reason. But of course, we might not always know what it is. If you got mercury fillings in your teeth when you were a kid, for example, or something, then you have reason to suspect pretty handily. But it still could happen and you might not know why or how. You know, it could even be like the region of fish that you're eating from. I'm not I'm not even kidding. So or the type of fish type and region of fish, all these sorts of things. So you definitely want to get tested if you're sick, you have all these bizarre symptoms that you can't make sense of because can, it can manifest in so many different ways. Um, joint pain, a lot of brain issues, brain fog and mood disorders, sleep problems, that sort of stuff. But what I'm getting to, if you suspect and you haven't gotten tested yet, one thing that the first thing you should do is take like a medium amount of zinc daily. Uh, zinc is a is really helpful for helping the body bind to bind to heavy metals and flush them out of your system. Uh, So that is sort of a first line of defense. But if you do have heavy metal toxicity, then it's, I think, really important to get tested and then work with somebody to figure out what to do about it. Because again, depending on the severity, it can be a really, really big deal. And you really want to rule it out if you're looking at, you know, a wide array of symptoms that you can't make sense of. So those are my few cents. But definitely check out Chris's work because he's just brilliant on it, really. Hopefully you can have your friend listen to this. So what is <laughs> what is heavy metal toxicity? So heavy metals, um, I've done a lot of research and just uh, I wrote a pretty lengthy email about this. So it's it's actually not that complicated. It's pretty simple. Like as as a general, like you can boil it down to just if, if you want to talk about it or you're trying to explain it to people. Um, but it, it's, you know, heavy metals, they're basically groups of metals. They're defined by density, hence the name heavy. And there's some that can actually be beneficial, but there's some that can be not so great in certain doses. So the good ones, for example, would be manganese. They are typically found in the earth, but they are heavy. There's like, they have more concentrations when, when humans do things like, you know, mining and manufacturing and all that kind of stuff. And so the more complicated, like the potentially toxic ones, there's everybody knows of them. The first one is, I I would say probably the most well-known one is mercury and it's found in fish. It is found in dental fillings. It's found in vaccinations and it is linked to a lot of issues like disruption of the nervous system, damage to brain function, um, DNA damage, some other ones that are really 
More popular is aluminum, which we talk about a lot because it is found in deodorants. A lot of antiperspirants have have aluminum, and so there's that's where the link comes from aluminum-containing deodorant and breast cancer because it is linked to aluminum is can cause serious oxidative stress. It can cause it's linked to breast cancer. It's linked to um, Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, applying it right there in your armpit, it does absorb through your skin and get into your bloodstream. That is a real thing. Um, another one is lead. So common sources of lead is actually like cosmetic products, specifically powders. Um, and you can actually breathe it in and also absorb it through your skin and specifically color cosmetics because of the raw materials that are used for the color cosmetics. Um, and what's other sources of lead? Like canned food, um, some jewelry, uh, arsenic, which is often found in like water and rice. I know a lot of people have talked about arsenic and rice. Um, and sometimes it's in baby formula, which is not great. And it's actually linked to like birth defects. It's a known carcinogen. Um, so they're not great for you. And basically, like when we're talking about toxicity it's just when the levels of these heavy metals build up in the body and then they reach like an unhealthy level which can then cause issues in your body as you know presented so in essence the level goes beyond what our body is able to detoxify appropriately so there's a um a really important antioxidant called glutathione which i'm sure you've heard of mentioned in the holistic health world but glutathione is an antioxidant that is that is really important for and is mostly responsible for detoxifying these heavy metals and getting them out of our body and getting them out of our system. And there are a lot of things that can actually reduce glutathione. Um, specifically, Tylenol has been found to reduce glutathione, which is why I personally don't take it all that much and I don't give it to my kid either. Um, that's just a personal decision. No judgment there. But from what I've read, I don't recommend pregnant women take Tylenol and or they, that they give it to their children. Um, not to say that I don't think there's some situations in which that might be absolutely necessary, but as a regular thing, I highly recommend against it. So eliminating heavy metal exposure entirely isn't really possible. It's not about a hundred percent removing it all from your body because we're always going to be like somewhere, something we're going to be exposed to it. It's in our environment. It's in the things that we like are exposed to, you know, so like it's, it's really all about taking removing the sources that are the most concentrated and the things that we can control and supporting our body's systems so that they can detoxify and remove these these toxins from our system so that they don't build up into big or like um, problematic levels. It's really simple to get tested. You just get a you just get a blood draw get tested. Um, your primary care can do that. A functional medicine practitioner can do that. And they'll be able to tell the exact levels in your blood. And I mentioned this before, but I had, for some reason I had, my mercury was on the higher end of like the okay range. And so there are things that you can do to do that just naturally. Like this is why I love charcoal products and activated charcoal. I took that a little bit and it reduced it. I got retested and my mercury went way down. Um, if you have a, a true heavy metal toxicity, there's a lot of things that you can do. And that's where you really want to work with somebody that's a professional because you don't want to be freeing up stored heavy metals 
in your body without making sure that you do have proper gut function and that you don't have leaky gut and that it doesn't cause a lot of issues by freeing it up in your body. So it is something you want to be intentional about. Um, something that I find really interesting is um, Chris Kresser actually has an article about how impactful heavy metals are in terms of their impact on behavioral issues in children. So it is research has actually shown that there is heavy metal exposure somehow promotes this neural development toxicity, and it may be an underlying cause to behavioral disorders like ADHD, for example. And so we, I think it's really important to be thoughtful about our exposure, especially when you're pregnant, um, because, you know, heavy metals, when they're absorbed into your, your body, um, they do cross the placenta and they can affect the brain of the developing fetus. And then when your kids are young, um, their brain and their immune system is rapidly developing, and it's really important to be aware of, of these common sources or these like concentrated sources of heavy metals and removing them from your, your life and then making sure that your kid is, is eating a mineral-rich diet, um, you know, rich in omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and if you have behavioral issues with your kid, I just like I think it's a like definitely something to, to get to look at and to maybe have tested. Um especially if it's like a neural development thing. That's sort of complicated, but also not really. It's not a super complicated thing, but it also, it's it's one of those things that if it's, I, I don't think it's discussed, eno- discussed enough. And I think it's a potential cause of a lot of underlying issues and a lot of dysfunction in the body. And it's just not something that like a primary care doctor would initially go to. So I think functional medicine practitioners are well aware of how heavy metals can impact the body. And so if somebody comes to them and says, I, I just, you know, feel I have XYZ symptom, they're probably going to test for a lot of things, including heavy metals. But I don't think it's something that's really uh, practiced in, in conventional medicine. So um, it's something to be aware of, especially if you're um, having n- neural development issues or just having immune dysfunction, because I know it can really impact um, immune dysfunction or immune function overall. Um, and I'll link to this article that I found from Chris Kresser on heavy metals and behavioral disorders in children, which I read that a while ago, um, and it it really struck me. It was very interesting for me to think about that. And also, you know, I've had my own experience with feeling like, oh, wow, like, look, I don't know, it's interesting to look at blood work and see all the heavy metal ranges, like what's in your blood. Um, And that's why I am really passionate about I'm happy that I found a lot of that research early on, and I I did use a lot of antiperspirants and stuff like that when I was younger, but it, but have moved on from that. And I personally use um, Stink Bug Organics charcoal deodorant, and I also love Primally Pure's charcoal deodorant, which I'll link to those in the show notes because it's hard to find a natural deodorant that doesn't that actually works. And that's why I switched everything out to Beauty Counter because there's lead in a lot of lipsticks. There is lead in a lot of colored powders and pressed powders in particular, like eyeshadows and blushes. And Beauty Counter is the only company that I know of um, that tests the raw materials. So the things that they actually use to create their products. But then at the end, they also test the end products. So what, because a lot of things can be um, absorbed through the manufacturing process. So there's been cases where beauty counter has pulled things off the shelves because their clay masks have had very trace sources of ingredients that they 
um, that's on their never list. And it's not in their raw materials. One of the things was like they found um, so, like the tea leaves that were used were actually put in plastic bags. And so a lot of those like plastic side, like residue actually made it onto the tea leaves. And so then it was found in the end product. So they pulled a lot of that from the shelf. So um, I do think, especially, you know, what women are putting on their bodies in terms of lotions and like soaps and the makeup and everything we use every day, that's a huge source. Do a little bit more research and you can probably find some really co- like common sources of, of some of these these heavy metals and actively try to reduce those from your life and find alternatives. So that's my heavy metal talk. Anything else to add? I was really thorough. Yeah. Cool. Go that's beauty what, counter. That's what we do here. Hey, okay. So um, for more for me, <laughs> happy new year, everybody. Um, if you want to make a resolution, please feel free to do so and comment on this episode because maybe it will inspire me to actually do something this year. But as you, as you just heard from my announcement, like, I think I'm just going to try to survive this year, but I'd love to hear about all all of your resolutions. So comment on the post that we make on Instagram um, and maybe you'll inspire some other people or like, I would love to hear, I would love to hear just some resolutions like Stephanie had that aren't so fitness related. Like, let's start that movement, you know? So like, Let's be good people and make resolutions around that. So definitely send us all your resolutions or comment on our episode postings on at WellFedWomen, which make sure to follow us on the Instagram. For more from me, go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. For more from Stephanie, go to paleoforwomen.com. And if you got a question, send it to us, wellfedwomen at gmail.com. Happy 2019. We will talk to you next week.